Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. Today, my guest is an artist manager and consultant. She uh, manages manages <laughs> Scarlet Park, and uh, um, she actually sat in on that interview, and I'm excited to actually learn more about her, though. It's my pleasure to introduce Mira Craft. Hey, hey. Thank you for having me. Of course. So let's start from square one. Were you raised here in Seattle? Pretty much. Um, I was actually born in Detroit. Uh, but was only there till I was two, so like I can't really be claiming, claiming. Um, I don't remember much. Uh, <laughs> and then I kind of traveled around a lot uh, when I was younger. I have family over in the UK, so did a would be there for extended periods of time. And so are I, you British then? Or are you just? I I am actually. I have Ooh. I have dual citizenship. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, and so I would kind of travel back and forth, and then was in Portland for a little bit. Uh, and then I've been in Seattle since I was seven, so mm. I feel like I've grown up here. And what, what schools did you go to? I went to BF Day Elementary, um, and then I went to Hamilton Middle School. Okay. Um, and then I was I was having I was living my best life in middle school already. Like I already was like you can't tell me anything, <laughs> um, even though people should have been. And so I was like kind of didn't have a choice on high school, and I went to the center school, which was like an alternative school. Oh, uh, for bad kids. Or? For the, like, <laughs> like that's not what they say, but a little bit. But then okay. no, it was definitely a interesting mix of it's at the center house where's so, that it, like the space needle oh wait, wait. yeah <laughs> like my food court was like the center house oh. uh, or the food court was our cafeteria um but yeah so it was just kind of a mix of like queen anne kids but also kids from all over the place that may or may not have wanted to be there mm -hmm. um <laughs> so it was an interesting uh, it was an interesting experience got it and did you want to be an artist <laughs> consultant from day one and, or I've, manager? I've always known my <laughs> calling. Uh, no, I didn't. I just knew. I was just ignorant. I just knew I wanted to like be like, I just didn't want to be told what to do by anyone. So it wasn't mm. necessarily me knowing what I wanted to be doing. I just knew a bunch of stuff I didn't want to be doing at that time. Got it. Did you go to college? I went to community college for a little bit. And the best thing that came from that was I actually met um, an artist that I ended up working with oh, and has become a huge part of my life, Alina Lee. Um, and is she from Seattle? Or? She's not. She's She was in Seattle when we met. Um, also lives all over the place. We're basically family. Both our um, families are from the same place in India. So, so you're Indian like, and I'm, British? Look, there's a lot to talk about oh as, far as, as far as what... Um, where all my family is from and where they've spent time but um yeah so we just kind of clicked and i realized okay you know i think that was the most beneficial thing i got from school was just meeting her damn what were you going to school for at the time at the time i was like maybe thinking of going into psychology um and then just kind of thankfully realized that's not what I and I say thankfully because I was I really like almost went down that path and I that's something that kind of just naturally is a part of my life I feel like I am that friend with I am the friend that people go to about stuff which yeah. is totally fine but I don't want to be doing that 24 7 for money I feel I um I tell people I went to school for 30 minutes and left <laughs> yeah <laughs> yep what what school for 30 minutes dude I so I was going to go to that I wanted to be being like radio, right? And then I got hired at 92.5. Oh, okay. And I got that job right before I graduated high school. So I would have had to leave Washington because there's no radio degree in Washington. There was, isn't? No. So Wait, like, why? I don't know. I have no idea. You got to start a NAST university. Yes, there we go. <laughs> so I, uh, I decided to just stay with um, the station and just do community college. 
and I went to uh, Bellevue College for 30 minutes. Okay. And I was like, you went I, there as long as it takes to get there. Yeah, and I was <laughs> like, I can't, I can't do this. Yeah. I feel like it was like a stereotype in my head though, but I felt like people who went to community college didn't really know what they wanted to do. And I was like, I know what I want to do. I right. want to be a podcaster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I feel you. I mean, I think one thing is like, there's certain things that school's great for, right? Like yeah. my doctor, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go to, go to university <laughs> for sure. But like, I also think that, um, I always, I had a sense of imposter syndrome, like working on this, starting my business and feeling like I didn't have a degree. Mm. Um, but what I've realized is that some of the things, I mean, yes, there's valuable things that could have been learned there, but I, when I was there, I kind of felt like I could just kind of go start making money instead of owing it. Um, yeah, and yeah. YouTube has hipped me to a lot of game. YouTube yeah. University all day. I still feel like older people are like, overall, people who go to college are going to make more money than people who don't. But I, don't I think know. it depends on the field. I mean, we also live in such a weird, unpredictable world where someone could like be $100,000 in debt to go to school and like maybe hate their lives for the rest of it. And then there's people who like make one video on TikTok and they're yeah. you know, making millions. So it's like it's That's just... Crazy. I think authenticity, if you're following what feels good to you, like that's where success lies. I don't think there's a copy and paste template of this like American dream that we're being like spit, you know. Especially for entertainment. I think there's definitely no like right or wrong way yeah. to go about it. Yeah. So you went to college for a little bit, <laughs> met Alina. Maybe an hour. An hour. They're like <laughs> a little more than me. Yeah. <laughs> and then what happens next? What does happen next? Um... I guess actually the first thing I started doing that kind of emerged me into the creative world as far as a curator was I started doing open mics. So around the same time I was in school for my hour, um, <laughs> I was also like already kind of like going and scouting places. I wanted to tell stories like that's I had this moment where I kind of sat down when I was deciding to quit school. I sat down and I was like, I'm interested in so many different things I feel very scattered like what's up with me what do I really care about and I kind of listed mentally like all the things that I'm into and asked myself what they had in common mm -hmm. and realized that it was telling stories like it was creating experiences it was bringing together other amazing creatives that would be that would match up with other ones and kind of creating this you know whatever type of experience or story I could so that's kind of where I was like okay that's my so maybe That's a comedian, you kind of thought? Or? <laughs> Definitely not that. Um, I just, like, I think I, it, telling stories in the sense of creating experiences and feelings within people. It doesn't mm -hmm. necessarily mean mic in my hand, like telling someone something. But there might be, you know, if there's something I think would be an interesting conversation, I'm going to form a panel and like get some fire people that hold interesting conversations. Right. If, you know, I'm in a studio and I hear a song and I like see that music video, there's an experience to create around that. And I think that's just kind of how I found my avenue was the open mic at first because I could bring in different creatives and artists and, and just kind of create different themed nights. And Wait, so you nights. created your own open mic you're saying? Or? Yeah. Oh, I thought you were yeah, saying yeah, yeah. you went to perform at no, open No, I mics. did. I used to do spoken word. Um, mm -hmm. So that was kind of my, that was like, uh, anyone who like knows me from that time says I still am like a you know a poet, but I haven't written in a long time. Can you freestyle right now? Can I freestyle right now? My name is Mira. My name is Mira. I used to spit. I'm sick of emotions, and now I quit. Like hey, I don't. There we go. <laughs> that was that's why I stopped. <laughs> uh, no, I just yeah, that's not really. I write sometimes, and I've definitely done some fun like co-writing here and there. But I really just like kind of 
being behind the scenes in the music world and creative world. But yeah, so I was hosting the open mics. Where that was? Where was that at? Um, so I did one at Scarlet Tree down in Ravenna, actually nearby. Hey. Um, and then I also was like a frequent. I collabed with uh, Cornerstone at Fair Cafe. They kind of held down a staple for a long time down in Cap Hill. Um, and then so, how'd yeah. you how'd you go about making those connections to even start open mics there? I'm. I was in the studio a lot. A lot of my friends were musicians, so I was always in the studio, and I would just kind of be like, just meeting people and, and trying to think of what a fun event would be for us to go to. And so we would start going to the fair cafes where I started really meeting a lot of people. Um, and then just kind of started, you know, I didn't realize I was networking. I just oh. was having fun and talking to filthy people, but. So what was your first introduction to the Seattle music scene? Was it Alina or? No, my first introduction to the Seattle music scene. Oh my God, I don't even know. I mean, that's a. All I can think of is my house band for the open mic at the time was Aaron Jones in the Way. So oh, they were, I mean, you know Aaron. So he was killing it or was killing it. The whole band was already doing their thing. Um, and so that de like definitely I was already integrated into the music scene, but they were the house band that held down that event. That's crazy. He was, um, I forget how he's connected with my radio program I did in high school, but oh, cool. either my band, my radio teacher helped him have a radio show in high school or he graduated from my high school some, oh, some way or That's another. Awesome. That's how I heard of is Aaron? Aaron, yeah. Dude, like even Joe Rogan talks about him on the show. Yeah. I was like, holy shit. And what's filthy is that song that Joe Rogan featured was the one that Scarlett actually sang background on. So it's Aaron oh, and Scarlett on that song. Oh, shit. Yeah. That's dope. Yeah. So are you more, do you know more about like the hip hop scene, the band scene, the pop scene? Like when you first started, besides the band, the house band, like what was your first introduction? Because I feel like everyone has a different like genre they start out in. Yeah, into. yeah, hip hop for sure. Oh. Hip hop has been, I mean, just even as far as when I was getting into music, like hip hop always was my favorite and just, that's just my foundation. Um, I mean, it's also, one could argue the foundation of pretty much all music um, yeah. or at least blues. Uh, but yeah, so that was definitely, that it still is like my heart definitely kind of my more my vibe that's dope so how long were you doing the open mics for do you still do open mics at all or curating no um i did that for a couple years and then i was kind of like okay wait i was 21 at the time um i was actually 20 because i got the venue before i was actually like legally supposed to be in hey. it. <laughs> and was there, did you make revenue from that at all or was it yeah oh, i shit. actually did have a good little stint where i could kind of be like I want to buy this. I'm going to, you know, throw, I'm going to put together a show that's going to make some good money because I was, mm. I was working with the venue to curate other nights. So I had one night that was the open mic, which was once a month, but I was booking for them weekly. So I could kind of just be like, you know, let's, I, I have rent to pay. I, I need to book oh, a show. <laughs> that's dope. So yeah. like from, have you always wanted to just like, you've always said you didn't want to work for someone though. So, but when was like the, was that the first job you had where you're kind of working independently or? That was, and you know what's funny is literally until you just asked me that, I didn't realize that. You know uh -huh. what I mean? I That was just something that was fun that I happened to make money from. Um, and then I was a dishwasher at um, like a, a house, that like a one of those facilities you move in from a hospital when you're not ready to go home. Okay. So like a transitional house. Um, yeah, I was dishwasher there for a minute and then... That just kind of gave me freedom. Like it, what was cool was it was the evening shift, so I would okay. be able to like bust the dishes out and then leave, but I was still clocked in. 
and I would like go to my open mic host and oh, <laughs> clock out when I was done. That's crazy. Yeah. I, I was um, a server at a retirement home and I became close with the dishwasher there, but that's the only experience I really know about. Really? Yeah. Dishwasher. That dude would be high as fuck. Oh, cool. yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He was crazy. This guy was a weirdo. So he was a, he went, <laughs> he went to my high school. So I was, I was a, working at a retirement home when I was in high school and this man would wear like a mask to school like just like the mask we wear now oh he was ready yeah and I was like holy shit this guy was a trendsetter <laughs> yeah for real he's before his time yeah so you had the open mics and then what followed after that like were you still working with Alina or like when did you actually start working with Alina or have you worked so with her? yeah yeah so at that time <laughs> Alina actually had not performed so okay. she was more just like we'd become really close we you know our families became really close um, and one day I heard her kind of playing on the guitar and I was like, what are you doing? What are you, what, mm. what's happening here? You never even told me you do music. Like you, you're so sneaky. Um, I was like, you look me, you watch me look for people to book all the time and you've never even told me you perform. And she was like, no, I've never performed. Um, and so I put her on the flyer without her permission. <laughs> um, and that was her first performance was actually at the Scarlet Tree open mic and that fair. So, um, yeah, that was just kind of like she went off and did her thing. She really enjoyed it and ended up going to L.A. and pursuing, you know, uh, she started working in film and music. Um, and we still, you know, it's she's family before. Like, a, she's not a client. She's family. Mm. So what era of artists from Seattle, at least, do you think you would say you came up with? Um, I connected with I was so I was in the studio with a lot of hip hop musicians. So I actually met Elon, right? Um, I don't he Elon and Nima. Um, I met Elon a lot earlier. Um, and I would say it's been really cool to kind of like watch just what's happened since you yeah. know, a minute ago. Um, there's been some other staples. Nikita Oliver is a really dear friend of mine. Um, and they were spitting and doing poetry and killing the mic before they were, you know, taking like they're still an artist, but um, a, lot, a lot less time for that now. Is but, it like more activist stuff? Or? Mm -hmm. Can yeah, you yeah, yeah. break down your, yeah, before we continue, break down your like relationship with um, Nikita Oliver? Yeah, they're just my best friend, really, really um, amazing person that I've witnessed uh, go from spitting on mics to, you know, spitting at town hall. <laughs> and <laughs> um, I work with them on booking and so just helping out with scheduling and any of the PR related stuff. Did you do like a tour or something with them? I think I saw. I did. Yeah, we did. We went out to the UK a couple years ago. Wow. Um, you know, we tried to squeeze in some time for them to activate that artist side that's definitely still there, but just doesn't get enough time. Um, and it was an amazing experience. We went out. It was Nikita and Relby Free, okay. who's a local hip hop musician. Um, and yeah, it was a great experience. We went all over the place. And wasn't. Wasn't weren't they running for something recently? Or they're currently in a race. Yeah, they are running for city council position nine, um, and the election is on November second. So what does that do once you're in the city council? Like, I'm not the one to ask. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like technically on paper or what we see are two different things. So mm -hmm. I, you know, I I'm asking the same question. Uh -huh. Yeah. And are you doing anything to help? that movement go forward or that's not any credit for me to take at all no okay. i'm definitely just happened to be really close with nikita and happened to work in pr and scheduling and you know happy to help got it and who was the first artist like you fully managed 
So I actually managed um, a hip hop musician named Juju Twist, who's also from here. Um, he came to me. I, I have to thank him for that because I never pictured artist management as something that mm. I would do. Um, I just didn't think of it. And he asked me to when I was still working my corporate job. Um, what was your corporate job? I worked in uh, Nordstrom for, I was a buyer liaison, so I kind of worked with the designers who made the Nordstrom brands. Oh, shit. Um, which was cool. It paid real nice. It was real comfy. Um, I miss it sometimes, or at least the paychecks. But, <laughs> uh, yeah, I quit that to start my company full time. Okay, that's dope. Is that artist, you still manage that artist? Or are they still making music? Or? He's still making music, yeah. He's doing his thing. Um, I When I kind of like made the transition of taking it on full time, I went over to Europe with Alina. Mm. Um, and so that took, like that was kind of where my focus was and what I was working on, just due to like different timing of what we were both working on. Um, he started doing his own thing here. But yeah, I mean, we're still keep in touch. And yeah. Seems like you're very cultured. Well, I'll take or it. Or we'll travel. I'll feel like, take I feel it. That's <laughs> the goal. I would love to travel more. I haven't. I've only been to like fucking like Mexico or Canada. I haven't even been to Mexico. It's one spot uh, I have not been to. You've been to Canada at least, right? I've been to Canada. Yeah. Weren't the borders closed for a while during the pandemic? Like, are they? I don't even. Are they open now? I, I really don't know what's going on. Yeah, I'm tapped out. This pandemic stuff yeah. at all. So yeah. So when? How old were you when you started your company? And what year was that? Yeah, I started that uh, in 2017. Okay. Yeah, and so I had quit um, Nordstrom then. I was kind of in this place where I I thought I needed to like build a strong foundation and have this big adult corporate job and be like super loaded and rich to then mm. start my own company. Is that because of family telling you that or just your own mindset? No, I'm lucky that my family has always given me like so much room to kind of, I haven't ever been, I don't have a family that's put pressure on me of like what I'm supposed to become. So that's, I'm really grateful for that. Um, but I think I just had this idea. I thought that I needed to be able to like afford the, you know, the business moves that I needed to make. And I also, um, I think, and this is something that I'm still learning through this journey is kind of real, you know, imposter syndrome is so real. And it was a really hard, it was hard for me to identify things that came so easy to me as skills. I didn't realize that I had a skill set in, you know, any PR related work or, you know, helping people uh, do creative direction or I didn't, that was fun to me. I didn't realize that that was something mm -hmm. that other people could use help with. Um, and it's called so, MKPR, correct? MKPR. Um, and which a lot of people hear and they think, oh, PR. Um, but I I believe that the best PR is word of mouth. And so what MKPR exists to do is to help brands, artists, and you know, any type of company figure out their brand identity to help to like help tell their demographic how to talk about them mm. and do the PR for them. And then how do you find artists or they find you mostly? They find I mean both I don't I definitely like I'm not the person that goes to a show scouting for the next person to look for like to work with also like managing one artist is a full-time gig and that's Scarlett yeah and Scarlett it, you know we've got a lot going on I definitely am like in that ride and so I, I don't have the capacity to take on other artists to manage full-time but like working project management and and coming in on certain things is is really great do you do PR companies like have like a roster or is that like kind of how does that work I mean, yes, I think that I've seen a lot of people do things differently. Um, it depends, I think, if you're with like an agency versus, you know, like an independent boutique. Um, but yeah, I've, I've seen people do it differently. And are you mostly Seattle oriented with your artists or is it LA or is it everywhere? It's everywhere. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I, 
went to when I was in Europe working with Alina I always also was meeting other artists over there and so we started kind of plotting what it would look like for them to come over to the states right before COVID hit um, an artist that I work with over in London his name's Leon he's amazing um, he was going to come here and tour and oh. you know like four tours were canceled when COVID hit that I was working on that's craziness yeah Thank but we have that. one about to happen finally oh is yeah. that with that guy or with? Um, so he's in London, so he'll I'll be going over there on tour, and we'll be getting some stuff done. So what do you do when you're on tour? Are you like their touring manager, or like what is your position? Yeah, road manager, tour manager, kind of like booking and putting things together. Um, but yeah, we're we're figuring out timeline. I think they've been to Italy, so Italy wants them back. So Damn. have you been to Italy? I have. I got to go on those tours. I've gone on a couple out there, um, and it's such an amazing way to travel and see it like I'm, I'm so grateful for the way that it works out because we get to like stay in tiny towns with owners of the venues mm. and really get to meet people on a just on a more intimate way and, and really it, I feel like of course I'm a tourist but I feel grateful that I get to go experience it with people that aren't because I get to see little gems that aren't necessarily that's like so the first result on Google though. Wow, I haven't, you haven't been to Italy. You're, you're really well-traveled, it seems like. <laughs> Thank you. Hell yeah. So is it different, like marketing PR, is it different per genre? Like would you market, you mar probably market a hip-hop artist different than like a pop artist or a jazz artist or whatever, right? Yeah, I mean, so yes, of course, by genre comes like different, you know, marketing approaches and what needs to be done. But regardless of if it's the same genre or not, like artists are so different, right? Mm -hmm. Or there's just so many different um work styles that are you know just vary from one another so I think one thing I really had to learn is and I'm I'm grateful that it seems to not be it doesn't come too difficult difficult is um just like communicating with people differently and being intuitive to like what works for them some people get stressed out by things that you know someone else will be okay with and some people need like time to zone out before a show like everyone just works differently yeah and how do you decide who you're going to consult though like is it do they have to have a certain level of following or a certain amount of albums or singles out or what? No, um, I think what matters to me is honestly, this might be like a corny answer, but it's just like the energy. Like, what is it? Is the vibe there? Like, oh, shit. Are you like fucking Scarlet with the Zodiac stuff? <laughs> um, I mean, am I one of those like L.A. people that's like, oh, no, you have this rising? Like, get away. Uh, no, I'm not. But like, am I do I have family from India that like knows all like, you know, they're Jotishis and do lots of charts? Like, yeah. So I feel like I feel like I'm a little bit of a mixture. I feel like so many people have been talking to me about that stuff lately. I'm like, I don't, I don't oh, know it's, if I... Oh, it's definitely trending. I don't think it's going to go... Well, people love to hear about themselves and talk about themselves. So, like, if we... Like, when's that going to stop? I don't see it. I just... I think <laughs> the first time I experienced it was, like, the Biggie song. What's your name? What's your song? You know? <laughs> yeah. But I feel, like, I feel like that's coming back, though, even. Like, I'm not going to say any names. But I just went out to, like, lunch with uh, a previous guest and... Or two previous guests. And like there was a there was like a lull in the conversation. It was me, an artist that was a guy, and then an artist that was a girl. And then there was like a little lull in the conversation. So he fucking's like, so tell me about your sign. I'm like, what the <laughs> fuck? I feel like that, or like the weather, or just like certain <laughs> topics. Like they're 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 always um, that's what pops up when people don't know what to say. So how did you end up actually meeting Scarlett? It's funny that you went. You had an open mic at Scarlet, wait, Scarlet I Tree. I know Scarlet <laughs> Tree. Well, you know what's funny? Also, is like we've always kind of been around each other and not known it. Oh. Like we um, have been at. You know, when Aaron got married, we were both there and didn't Damn. know it. Uh, it was right before we met. Um, but yeah, I 
I was working with Whitney Maget, who's also another artist from here, um, and she did an Italy and Euro- uh, Italy and UK tour. So I was over there with her on that, um, and then Scarlett and Whitney know each other, so we just kind of connected that way. And when I came back and we met, it was it was like clear that it was kind of just like an instant click. Mm. So it was clear we we're going to be doing some things. And what has any been? It's been like two, almost three years they've been managing around, right? Yeah, God, COVID, man. I'm like, it's my concept of time. Um, yeah, it was just around like just, yeah, just mm-hmm. like the end of 2018. And have you seen like a, like a shift in your career since she's been working with you? Yeah, I mean, Scarlett is like a go-getter. I mean, she just really... Um, She's a visionary and she's able to, you know, she knows, she sees a vision and she knows kind of like the pieces to put in place. That's some, I believe in her regardless of if she has help or not. Mm -hmm. Um, But I mean, I definitely have seen like, you know, just the progress and the different changes. She moved to LA. So a lot of um, great things have come from that. And just, um, yeah, I've seen her really, also like really the resiliency that she had to have during COVID, you know, every artist had to have during COVID. Um, it's been really cool to kind of see what's come of it. Yeah, I feel like there's still needs. Actually, that's a thing I've been noticing a lot on podcasts. I don't know how often you listen to podcasts, but like here and there, the biggest um, one of the biggest sponsors lately is like I think it's Better Health, and it's like for um, like online counseling and stuff. Mm-hmm. I wonder if there's one type of community that needs to like an outlet more than another. Like whether you're just like someone working a nine to five or an artist that needs to talk about like how COVID's <laughs> like affected them. I feel like, I feel like the world's so fucked up. Everyone is going to, going to have something to talk about regardless. Yeah. Like I thought I, I was telling my previous guest, you just met King Dow about this. Like I thought I was, a I kind of went through COVID unscathed and like a lot of cool stuff has happened, but now I'm like trying to connect back into society. Cause f- just doing podcast stuff, it's not really, I guess like you're a person and I'm a person (laughs) but I feel like this is just my community so it's like the easiest thing yeah yeah so especially like I have no usually at least I don't have any problem just meeting some random person especially because I'm meeting new people every day yeah but when it's outside of music like I feel like I don't know I have like COVID PTSD of being in groups and meeting new people but that's interesting because I feel like I've noticed even just on on your podcast like you talk about a wide you don't seem like someone who stutters on like something to talk about yeah it's weird though. it's a really weird like a uh, internal thing mm-hmm. I've been experiencing interesting has ha- uh has COVID just ha- has there been negative impacts for COVID for you or has it been more positive or what's your I've just been doing though? absolutely great this has been the <laughs> best time of my life um I mean yeah no it's been hella fucked up like yeah. it's been insane but I think like also you know whatever this might be like some hallmark sounding like card but like (laughs) when shit's fucked up you really like see what you what you have in you and you know you really learn like how you were able to kind of re-pivot and um you know I'm gonna take I'm gonna take the wins from this I guess but yeah of course like it's been really hard and I think especially like when it first hit um Scarlett and I were really at a place especially with her and her music and also with Park Ave and, and what she had been building there we were at a place where things were really like you know, we connect checks were in the mail. Connections were being made. Yeah. Park Ave paid out over a hundred thousand dollars to artists the year before. That's COVID. crazy. Yeah, it's amazing that Scarlett was able to do that. So, um, that was all stuff that was obviously like really devastating to be put on hold. It's it's on hold. It's happening, but um, yeah, I mean that was hard. 
And was that all part of the Hallmark card? Or? <laughs> it was. That's actually my other side gig is during COVID, I started writing for Hallmark. That's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> Hallmark. I forget. I feel like that's a, is that still a popular card company or is that just for older people? Can you think of another name? That's true. They own the game in Hallmark. <laughs> so what are the, what's the next thing for you? You're about to go on tour? Is that, what's next or? What's next? Um, working on stuff with Scarlett in LA, filming a lot. We have some shoots down the pipeline, um, some shows coming up here in November. In Seattle or? In Seattle, yeah. Uh, Marshall Law Band is gonna, well, I don't know if this is announced, but something fun's happening soon and I'll be here for that. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, just like, it's, it's actually getting pretty busy, which is nice to see events coming back. Um, and then I'll be going over to the UK to check in with clients uh, after the winter and holidays. That's great. You're going to see family there too, then? I am. Yeah, I'm excited. Damn, I've never been to UK. That sounds so. Yo, gotta come. Do you like the UK Travel, better than NAS traveling? Part. Yeah, NAS traveling. Part. Do you like the UK better than the US or? Um, I'm a weird person who likes lots of different. Like I need to like go be in one vibe and area for a little bit and then I get restless and I want to go experience something else. So mm. there's things I really love about here and there's things that I, I really love to go over there and soak up and get to experience. So you don't like cycles. Is that it? Or? I don't. I guess not. I think it, I think I I have to like cycles. There's lots of them when you're building. Yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah, I mean, I just like to. I guess my cycle is just getting to be able to rotate and and go tap in with people all over the place. I hate cycles with a passion. Yeah. I have. No matter where I've lived, I have at I have to have at least three to five different routes on how to get home. <laughs> right. Yo. Yes. I'm actually the same, and sometimes I realize like I don't even realize how I drove home. <laughs> Like I was just scary. on autopilot. Well, yes. like, you know, I know, I know I'm driving, though. but like, I don't even, there's so many different routes and I'm like, oh wait, I didn't even. Oh shit. That happens all the time for me actually. Cause I sometimes, um, like there's, there's the scenic route. There's the woods route. There's the city route. There's the route and there's the city route and the woods route. Yeah. Sometimes I'm like, oh fuck, I don't even, I don't even remember which route I'm on. Yeah. But the worst is like when you're just driving on the freeway and you realize, oh shit. Yeah, I know. <laughs> oh my god, I've had those moments where I'm like, oh my god, I haven't thought about the fact that I'm driving for yeah. a minute. So why do you live in Seattle and LA? Is is that like hectic? Do you enjoy it, or is that like purposeful, or what? It's purposeful. Um, it's because just. There's a lot going on in both places right now. Um, so Scarlet, obviously, like my apartment's over in L.A., um, but I am going to be getting a spot over here uh, when my lease is up and then I'll have a room over there. Um, but yeah, so my life is there, but I have so many things going on over here and um, I just it's not able to I'm not really able to like move away from Seattle. Mm. And you and Scarlet aren't like roommates, are you? Mm -mm, but we live five blocks from each other, oh. so <laughs> we're might as well be. Is it completely like split down the middle that Seattle and LA or? No, um, it just kind of depends. Like for example, I mean this these past few months have been insane. I've been in like Seattle ten days, LA ten days, Seattle mm. ten days. Um, I'm going back on Tuesday, but um, yeah, I mean it's nice. I one nice thing is that there's so many people from Seattle who have started to you know start tapping in in LA, and so it's really fun to be like, yeah. oh, I'll catch you over there. Oh, you're in this city. Oh, haha. Ha, like I'll see you when I get back. Or you know, it's just nice to get to um, grow with the people that we've been making moves here in other cities. That's so exciting. It's fun. Do you feel more like relaxed here in Seattle versus LA, or is it? Yeah, I think that I relax. I mean, there's always. 
there's always something wherever I'm at that's got me like stressing. But mm. um, I think that I just I really prefer I'm spoiled from, you know, being here like the Pacific Northwest and like our fresh air and everything is just fly. And like, yeah, I lay the opportunity fly. But the air like. no. Uh, <laughs> and I feel like nothing's. I keep telling this to people. I feel like nothing's sacred in that way, though. Hmm, why do you like, say that? going on hikes there's mansions in the trails it's fucking <laughs> smoggy like i just i don't know i i felt like when i went to la for my tour it was the first and i've said this before too but i feel like it was my first time just being on my own versus being with family mm-hmm. which is a total different experience totally you know and i was like everything i thought la was going to be like kind of was like you kind of let me down <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. So, i can see that I don't know if I, I think I like, I want my, my dream house would probably to be staying in Washington, but like in the woods still, but way out from anyone. You like, like to be secluded. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's the thing though, is like California and LA is huge. That's you true. know, there's little nooks and crannies where you can get away from people. But as far as I, when I'm there, like Scarlett and I live like in Hollywood so when I'm there I'm not secluded (laughs) I'm like in the center of it which is fine when I'm in LA I'm not there to you know chill by myself I'm there to like get shit done so it's nice to be local and in the middle of stuff but I I totally feel you on that vibe I definitely like it's a goal to have kind of a getaway cabin on the coast where I can since you care so much about astrology (laughs) I'm a Pisces and love me some water so definitely gotta be on the coast (laughs) So, that, that's, that's 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 fucking horoscope. I just had to do it for you. Like she, Scarlett like pulled out this phone. And was like, you need to download this app, Pattern app. Pattern. Oh yeah, oh. she loves her some Pattern. That's she good. loves Pattern. So are it's you accurate about her though? It's scary. <laughs> so are you always working whether you're in LA and Seattle or? Is... Yeah. Um. I mean, one you know one silver lining of covid is a lot of stuff is remote now Mm. so it allows me to still like get seattle work done when i'm in la and vice versa um still tap in with the uk even though i haven't been able to be over there um i work with an artist in india getting to like just tap in with definitely haven't been able to go since covid so um yeah just i mean a lot of work is done remotely but if i'm i'm usually like doing something in whatever city while i'm there Mm. and what do you what do you do for fun like what are your hobbies Mm. What do I do for fun? Yo, I should have a better answer for this. Like, because honestly, like, I just want to not do shit when I have time <laughs> to have fun. Like, I just want to chill with some good friends, you know, maybe just like chill, smoke, chop it up. And I mean, that's, I should have a better answer, but that's the truth. So you're probably doing like PR stuff like all the time then though, right? Or... Yeah. I mean, PR in the sense of, mm-hmm. of kind of like doing the strategy around obviously all of the public relations around someone's brand but it's not specific to PR it's definitely just like creative strategy and brand development um and in that PR is needed and so what have you learned about strategy since the pandemic's probably changed drastically since even 2019 to 2020 no yeah I mean that's what's so funny is it's already it was already changing so much and then you know obviously things have really changed so um yeah I mean I what am I learning about that? I guess just like kind of one figuring out how to prioritize what needs to be done when we can't go do certain events or how can we utilize this time? Um, how do you really 
execute brand presence when you're not networking at events as much? Um, you know, how do you really build your online presence? So that was something that was obviously already a necessity for clients um, that we we're already working on, but it's just changed with COVID of how, how much people have time to do that and the type of content they're able to create. Do you think artists need like every form of social media? I talk about this a lot, actually, um, in a class that I teach with the residency on brand development. And um, I think that artists are constantly thrown from the industry, which, by the way, from an industry still figuring it out itself. Um, they're thrown, you need to be doing this. If you're not this, you're not a real artist. You only should be releasing at this time. Like, if you don't have a premiere, you don't have a song. Like, mm. all of this information is being thrown at them all the time. And I think, like, there's value in that there is obviously a game that needs to be played and you need to know the rules. But also, um, if, if any viral moment has taught us anything, like, authenticity is what hits. So I think if you're an artist where a TikTok feels super cringy to your brand, like, that's not going to work for you. People on TikTok are going to be like, why are you here? You know, so I think, um, yeah, you need to have presence and you need to be aware of being available on social media so people can find you. But don't be trying to fit in a box to, you know, show that you can do what everyone else is doing online. Do you think every artist needs a few years under their belt before they become successful like can an artist out of nowhere besides like a, a little Nas X or someone like do you think <laughs> there's it's, a lot under his belt probably yeah, too like true. that's the thing is it realistic for someone to feel like they could release one album or one single and then become like a mainstream artist or a successful artist never say never but like obviously that's not um that's not the majority of the time of how it works you know I think that under every tipping point we all see when we see an artist pop off and they're brand new to us like there's 10 years of them probably underneath that being like fuck like yeah. can i even do this you know so i think again all of our journeys are different but um i definitely think under all of those winning moments are a lot i mean you you learn from failure yeah it's just true what have you learned about the music industry huh that's such a broad question. What happened? <laughs> I'm like, oh, Lord. Um, I've learned good things. <laughs> I've learned bad things. Um, I've learned, I think what my biggest takeaway is I've been really enjoying just seeing the common threads between how creatives work, like how our minds work, even if you're a musician or just in the creative world or entrepreneurial spirits, like there's similarities there. Um, and it's been really kind of just fun to, to learn what those are. Do you think most artists can like keep their integrity when they become successful? I think that power and attention reveals who you really are. So I think if you're going to struggle with that, there's something that you are already struggling with or, you know, that needs attention. We all have, we all have things that need attention. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think it just kind of depends wherever you go, there you are. Mm -hmm. You know. What is some like what's a similarity that like a lot of artists you think assume is going to happen once they release music or think the music industry is going to be until they are actually in it? Yeah, um, I think that's a good question. I mean, my first thought is like I've I've definitely worked with some artists like when first getting started who just like the oh I released a song like I'm ready for like the groupies and the lifestyle and the you know the room and like the green room decked out and like I don't blame you that's just fun <laughs> but like um what comes with that is like a lot you know one being a little bit humble but also um you know a lot of work and a lot of times that you went to a set and there wasn't a green room but there was like a stool and a little mirror you know 
Mm. Just I think people don't realize. I mean, even I, when I first started my company, like if I knew I I had this expectation, like I'm going to quit. I'm going to go to Europe. I'm going to meet someone and they're going to think I'm great and I'm done. (laughs) And it's like, bitch, Mm. (laughs) Uh, who do you think you are? So, um, you know, I think it's I had to have that level of um, ignorance about it, I think, to like keep recharged. Um, but I think people just kind of, ex- they see the fun part, they see the end goal and, um, not the hurdles sometimes. Yeah. What are some of those hurdles usually when it, for like being a business, especially in music? Yeah. Um, I think I've, what I've seen a lot of, I, I think a lot of artists can have content and see a vision that's ready for, um, a different lane and they still have to like pay dues and get to that lane. And so I think sometimes, um, I mean, I think numbers are silly. I think it's stupid that I can see an Instagram and see they have, you know, a million followers and I'm like, oh, they're doing things. (laughs) But like then, you know, someone who has a couple hundred, you know, like not me necessarily, but like I'm like, oh, you know, it's I think our mentality around um, numbers on social media is silly. I understand why it's like that. But um, I always thought that that was such an annoying hurdle because I've seen people who have the shittiest content get the greatest support. And then there's just people making gems that their friends know about. And that sucks because of algorithms. What are some things you think like Seattle, the Seattle artists are doing successfully and making mistakes on? Um, I mean, the talent in the city, it's unquestioned, right? It's like the, Seattle's music scene is amazing, even just creatively, like all we're a really artistic city. Um, and I think that what I've seen what I think Seattle struggles with is getting stuck in that bubble. I think we see a lot of what other artists are doing in this city and we want to we want to do that, match that, do something more. And competitive spirit's cool. I'm all for it, whatever, you know, but I think that if you start doing that for a long time, all of a sudden you've been competing within one bubble in one city. Mm. And really at the end of the day, like I think it's important unless like that's where you're that's where you're happy, like fine great but if you're wanting to expand and be like an internationally known artist um, I think people can get and I don't think this is just Seattle that does this but I think you can get really caught up in one bubble and um, I think it's really important to break through that glass ceiling a lot sooner and what are some tips of like touring for up-and-coming artists how do you even start your first tour yeah um have something presentation worthy that's going to show the the venues that you're reaching out to what you can bring like what experience are you going to bring alive in their venue um and then do the, the like knowing just how to write the right email like i know so many people who they have so there's so much stuff that they're excited about and so that email to think that they have to explain everything and it's like you're writing to people usually when you're pitching yourself as an artist who are getting hundreds of emails if not thousands a day from other people pitching the same things mm. so just like knowing how to like you should have a few sentences showing you've done your research and know who they are few sentences showing like your ask and what you can bring and then wrap it up and, and give them some, you know, show your information, show your links and your press kit and stuff. But I think just like knowing how to do the outreach, it, it sounds like maybe a smaller thing, but like that's your, I used to think that you needed a booking agent and it's like, no, nah, really like you send some emails, you talk to a venue, you secure it and go get your feet wet and yeah. then build. So do you think every artist can make it like to a certain extent, whether it's a niche or like what holds people back or I think that I someone told me this quote they're like the difference between successful people and people who aren't is the successful people didn't give up it's like if you keep going 
like unless you have the weirdest karma in the world, <laughs> um, you're going to make it. It just is what it is. And maybe that making it isn't what you first defined as making it, right? I think one thing I always ask my clients is what's your version of success? Like what is what does ultimate success look like to you? I think we always think for artists, especially we have the stereotype of you're going to be the number one famous person. There's a lot of people who are like, yo, I, I want to make bank like writing songs and I don't want anyone to know who I am. Um, there's yeah. people, you know, so I think just defining what success looks like to you and then steering towards that what's your success what's what defines success for you <laughs> i've never actually been asked that myself um i well one like money like yeah. i'm just gonna be straight up that's <laughs> that's just real like i i have a lot of things that i want to do in this life that require a budget um and so i want to be able to it's not necessarily a number it's just i want to be able to afford the lifestyle that i want to live and and that lifestyle comes with creating events like working with people you know business moves um and i want to be able so i want to be able to make a living off of working on different projects that i'm passionate about um and getting to incorporate all the filthy people that i know into projects and and just creating experiences so you like every type of media kind of like from music videos to events to albums yeah 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 anything that matches that piece of content Mm-hmm. What makes you stand out compared to other artist managers or <laughs> PR companies or consultation? Um, what makes me stand out? I think I'm one of the few that doesn't really want to stand out. I think I've seen a lot <laughs> of cringy managers who actually wanted to be in the spotlight and don't realize it. What's some cringy? Give me examples of that. You don't have to say people, but like, yeah, what's yeah. something cringy? Um, like I've seen some managers take it, you know, be on set with someone and, and really be enjoying that press or maybe trying to speak on something. And it's like, you know, if you're a good manager, I mean, of course, everything's so circumstantial. Like this can't oh. be like a like a blanket statement. But I've seen people try to like take the shine of their clients, and it's like one thing about being an artist manager is it's like it's kind of like oh, Scooter Braun says it's kind of like being a coach. It's like the wins are theirs and the losses are yours. It's like, and if you're not happy in that lane. Then like, because managers they deserve to be happy doing what they're doing too, right? It's like if you're not happy thriving in that type of lane where it's not necessarily about you but your client shining means you're doing a good job then don't do that so you don't think managers should be in the interview with or like actually like that's a general statement i don't i don't mean that i guess i just mean it's the, the specific scenario i'm talking about i've seen managers just like bust in and try to have their moment and maybe talk about other clients or mm. maybe try to get deals for someone else while they're in an interview for someone you know just sloppy like I work with a lot of different artists but when it's about one of them it's about one of them and what, why'd you decide to solely work with Scarlett versus having like five different artists you're managing at the same time it wasn't at the time like a conscious decision um it just was like it just is what happened it was it was a very organic um we our, our our relationship just built very organically um and i think that's full time that's a full time artist right there she's got a lot going on so it's not necessarily where i'm like i don't want to work with anyone else it's just i want to land the current balls that are being juggled you know what i mean i want to i want to whatever metaphor this that is this was a crazy metaphor <laughs> yeah i don't know what that was but <laughs> i want shit to like i want we need to like secure some bags before i'm talking about the next one is that if that's a clearer metaphor yeah <laughs> there we go and you think a lot of that stuff happens in la 
Is that where a lot of the success do you think is going to come from for Scarlett even? Or? Yeah, I mean, there's she's she's killing it out there. I think that um, there's opportunity out there for anyone. Um, and I think that, I mean, again, one nice thing about COVID is we're not stuck to one place. You can be talking to someone in a lot of different places that before maybe they expected you to come to a meeting in person. So um, I don't think that she or any artist is like bound to one place. I think that. I mean, I even have a client who's like trying to figure out their footing and they're like trying to figure out what city to commit to to living in. I was like, put your shit in storage and, <laughs> and uh, stay in places month by month, you know? Yeah. Find out what happens next. Yeah. Well, what is some uh, final advice that you have <laughs> for up and coming artists, curators, influencers? Um, Put your shit in storage and go, <laughs> no. <laughs> um, Just like, I think it's really important I bringing it back to authenticity in their branding, you know, really finding what works where we spend so much time being told what we're supposed to be doing. And that can really deter an artist from their creative zone when you're trying to be wear the business hat and also create the music or the art um, that can really distract. And so I think a lot of artists who are DIY now, like that's what things are like now. Um, I guess just always remember, like, first and foremost, is that art. If you don't if you're not in your creative zone and you're not authentic with that you can market the something the best but if you don't have the product that's like ready to market it doesn't matter oh actually one more thing when do you think it's time to find like a team yeah um i think actually i think it's fine time to find a team before it's time to find a manager necessarily um i i have artists ask me that all the time like when when is it the right time to bring in a manager or you know are you really doing it if you don't have a manager at the end of the day manager can sound so much fancier than it really is you know what I mean if they're not doing their job like it's just something that you kind of say you have I have so many artists who like say they have a manager I or I know so many artists that say they have one but that support's not there um for numerous reasons and so I think um yeah just I think when you build building a team and having people come in and um, uplift in other areas where you would maybe don't have the like time or capacity or it's not your strength um, gets you to a place where you're ready to then have a manager come in. Also, I don't think a manager is someone that you just like find. I think that that's something that or that relationship has to be very organic. So a team is something that you can like put together prior. So a manager comes when the stars align and you're, the manager comes you're when the, rising the, the, <laughs> you're rising in your heart when you download the pattern is when <laughs> no but it's just like that that shit needs to be meant to be i personally think but yeah. you know it even self-made the idea of self-made has so many people involved so like building your team and, and knowing where your strong suits are and where theirs are um is is a good way to go i think at any time yeah for sure yeah. and what is the easiest way for people to reach you uh, my website is miracraft.com or my email, which is mira at miracraft.com. There we go. Or Instagram. And your Instagram is? MiracraftPR. There we go. This is the NAS podcast with? MiraCraft. And we did it.